We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Alright, welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio, now presented by Blue Wire Podcasts, fun edition. I'm Steve Ribeiro here, as always, with my man Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it, you know, if for, for the long-time listeners of this podcast, we were probably at our lowest morale ever two podcasts ago, and here we are, coming off a playoff win. <laughs> like, who would have thought? I, I did not think we'd be here two weeks ago. Oh, I didn't think we'd lose to the Jets, but that happened also. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, man. It has been a crazy month of Rams football. We lost to the Jets. We lost the division. We got into the playoffs because of a backup quarterback. Backup quarterback gets injured. We're back to Jared Goff. And we beat said Seahawks, who we lost to two weeks ago. Uh, it has been wild. We are prepping for a game against the Green Bay Packers in the freezing cold. You know, ha- had we done, <laughs> had we beaten the fucking Jets, we'd be playing the Saints this week. It would be a lot better of a scenario, I think. But uh, here we are. We lost the Jets. We're playing the Packers. But hey, we haven't talked about the win yet. So hey, why don't we get into that, man, huh? Let's do it. 
Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to break down with this game, and it has a lot of implications for next week and some of the implications for beyond. But I want to start with this. It was a 30 to 20 win for the Rams. Uh, the Rams end up winning this season series two to one against the Seahawks. They are the last NFC West team standing in what was probably the best division in the NFC this year, one of the best divisions in football. But let's start by not praising the Rams. Jenny, I think we should start this podcast by shitting on the Seahawks. Like, I, I'm not going to – I rewatched the game again today. I'm not going to sit here and say that this was a game the Seahawks should have won, but boy did they do everything they could to lose this game. Well, offensively, the Seahawks, this wasn't the same Seahawks team we saw two weeks ago. Uh, I mean, even two weeks ago, they weren't that impressive, but they were uh, they, they were certainly um, a lot more threatening. The, <laughs> I guess is the word there. The, uh, <laughs> the offense just was completely terrible uh, up until like the last few plays. And at that point, it was kind of garbage time. We already knew the Rams were going to win. And even that last DK Metcalf touchdown, it, it basically they let them score. You know, so they, the Rams defense completely shut down their offense. And really, they didn't give them that much of an opportunity to score uh, because of the secondary, you know, the... The offensive line was not blocking for Russell Wilson at all. No. And really, Wilson had no choice but, but to kind of hand it off to uh, Chris Carson. And I, I guess he got a few first downs here and there. But, yeah, it was just a complete and utter disappointing uh, performance from their offense. I mean, that's be- it's good news for me, but uh, – not to Seahawks fans. <laughs> no, dude, it was horrifying. I mean, the yeah, the offensive line was bad before and after Aaron Donald got hurt. They they were sloppy. They were getting called for bad penalties at bad times. They they the turnovers were outrageous. I mean, the the pick six to uh, Darius Williams, while a great play by him, like that pick six should have never happened. Uh, I don't know if Wilson should have thrown the ball. And also, like, uh, Swain just completely whiffed on a block, the block on Darius Williams. It looked like he wasn't really even trying. And, yeah, they they fired Brian Schottenheimer today, uh, former Rams offensive coordinator, after he, he shattered offensive records in Seattle in, in this game. And, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, they didn't really have a cohesive offensive drive until – that last drive of the game, or second to last drive, where DK Metcalf scored, and you know they were down thirty to thirteen. I'm, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say the Rams basically let them score, but uh, teams are playing differently when they have that big of a lead that late in the game than they would be early on in the game. And yeah, obviously they had the, the touchdown to Metcalf uh, near the end of the first half, but it was a broken play. And I'm not going to take away from Metcalf or Russell Wilson. That was a damn good play by both of them. But it's not like, you know, that that's a fluke play. Uh, that That's not a play that you, you plan for. That's a play that great players make. But, all, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, man, 
that was a fucking ugly ass game by the Seahawks. And then uh, really the the nail in the coffin was the fumble on a, on a punt return late in the game in which the Rams scored uh, their second offensive touchdown in the last three weeks as a result. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was kind of nice to see that happen just so that, I mean, seeing the lack of touchdowns over the past few, really the past month, I will say, they they really weren't able to punch it in the end zone. So I know it was kind of at the low point of the game for the Seahawks, but I'm still taking it as a win just because it could have very well have been a, another field goal. And I don't think any of us would have, uh, you know, thought any differently just because there, there's this is such a weird offense. I I know that the Rams' offense in years past hasn't been, you know, the best in the league or anything, but it, it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting to observe this offense because you're basically wondering and, and contemplating to yourself, is this team going to actually score? A touchdown you know they can somehow get down the field into the red zone sometimes it's through uh you know favorable positioning but we're never a hundred percent certain that they're gonna score and that's basically the opposite problem of the uh packers so that's that's yes. kind of the funny thing yeah, the the like we'll we'll talk about this later, but like things that happen in this game c- cannot happen against the Packers. Even though we won this game in pretty convincing fashion, if we play like this against Green Bay, we probably don't win that game. But yeah, like it's not just the red zone too. I think it's just short yardage situations in general where they only need to get a couple yards. They're just a fucking disaster, dude. Like there were so many third and shorts in this game that they didn't get. They had the fourth and one late where they let Jared Goff run a QB sneak, like beyond how outrageous of a decision that is to let your only active quarterback run a QB sneak when you don't have a status of Wolford, it also didn't work. He fucking failed. So it's 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 really concerning. Um, and, and I think that's been somewhat of a problem during the McVay era, but things covered up for it. Um, and you had a guy in Todd Gurley who, like, I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, man, he, if he could do one thing, it was score. He was great in the red zone. We don't have that player anymore. Uh, and, and even last year and, and this year to an extent, Todd Gurley was still scoring touchdowns, even though he's, he's a sh- unfortunately a shell of the player he used to be. But it's a problem, man. And it's not, it's probably not something that gets addressed before next week. So I mean, we just gotta hope for the best, but yeah, the the red zone offense has has been abysmal, and we've we've won in games where we didn't score touchdowns, we've lost in games where we did score touchdowns, but ideally, you would just like to be scoring touchdowns. You know, it, it's it's um, another thing to to keep in mind that while okay, fine, you don't score every. You know, you don't score a touchdown every time you get to the red zone. But at least, you know, make it so that 
you're at least 50% or at least close to it. It's just so awful watching this team because you know that they're going to get down the field somehow, but once you get to the red zone, it's like they forget how to block. It's like they forget how to really get creative. It's not even just the players. It's the coaching, too. You know, some creativity would be nice as well. You know, they have some creative plays when when they're down the field. But once they get to that red zone, it's like, okay, let's just do the same fucking thing over and over. And that's where we're at. You know, that's what we've seen the past month. And it's a mixture of a lot of things. I mean, of course, it's it's tougher to score when your starting quarterback not only is hurt, but hasn't been the quarterback you were hoping for. And then you're going to try with the backup quarterback who is not the tallest guy in the world and, you know, trying to get him out there. And it, it it's, it's just awful because a lot of times you see a lot of these plays coming and particularly where Wolford got hurt. I think we all saw that coming, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why Wolford got hurt. It's because Adam saw it coming a mile away, which, by the way, should have been a penalty, but that's that's another story. Yeah, it, it was tough because it wasn't helmet-to-helmet, but I, it probably should have been a penalty. But also, he probably should have slid. Like, I know he's not a slider. He's pro- He probably never really practices sliding because he's – and he's never been that kind of quarterback, but that's that's a play where a professional slides. Uh, unfortunately, though, and b- before we move on to the quarterbacks, which you want to talk about, like there are personnel issues, I guess that could are a part of the red zone issues, but that primarily falls on McVay. There's a there a lot of the problems in this offense. I wouldn't blame him for, at, or at least as a number one culprit. But you got the red zone is that's on coaching, man. That's on schemes and coaching to figure that out, and I think that's something he will do a lot of homework on in the offseason to try and add that to his offense, but unfortunately, he's not there right now. No, clearly not. Uh, they they hired um, O'Connell to, to kind of help him with play calling, but after this year, I think they should fire him <laughs> because, I, I, I mean, I know that sounds a little harsh, but Jesus, I, I've never seen such uninspiring play calling. And it's it's a shame, really, because the Ram offense, while it's by no means elite, it, they have talent there. They have the talent to get in the red zone. we basically seen a good majority of this personnel from 2018 when all they knew how to do was score. And yes, you eliminate the guys like Todd Gurley, which don't get me wrong, is a huge loss. But you still have other guys there that can get you in the end zone. Yeah, it shouldn't be this bad, but you you do underplay those losses a little bit. I mean, Todd Gurley was, in 2018, before, even in the playoffs, like, he played great against the Cowboys. I mean, he was he was one of the best players in the league. Uh, you also had Brandon Cooks, and you also had Roger Saffold. And, I mean, those are those are three heavy hitters. Um, but But you're right, like, it, 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 because we're get it, 
we have our games where the offense is just flat out terrible, but we have games where we're getting into the red zone and they're just not scoring. And, and especially, I think the back half of the season that's really been amplified. Uh, it, it's it, it's frustrating, man. And and in 2018 too, I think we were. I would guess I don't have this written down. Like we were probably scoring a lot more touchdowns out of the red zone than we were this year, right? Like we were getting big plays. We don't we don't get big plays anymore. No, not at all. I mean, that's kind of why I think a lot of us was hoping for the best for Wolford because while he was by no means uh, accurate, you know, he was still somehow getting the ball downfield. Whereas with Goff, we've seen. I. I hate to kind of dog on him just because he, the dude has pins in his thumb, you know? So it's kind of hard to dog on the guy. But even when he was healthy, he was not getting the ball downfield. And when he did try downfield, the limited time he did, it just looked ridiculous or resulted in turnovers. So it, it's it's frustrating. I think that was ultimately why we wanted Wolford out there he again i don't think he's more talented than golf per se but i do think he he's confident enough to you know go out there and and make some plays whereas golf even during this game like he there's absolutely no reason why this guy should be getting the ball batted down as much as he does i know that's partly on the offensive line too but it's like he doesn't adjust. Like he sets his mind in motion and then goes for goes for the pass. He doesn't seem to try and adjust the way he plays. And that could be because he's trying to be cautious with his injury. But it's it's something that needs to be addressed completely. And that's why I'm hoping Wolford is healthy enough, but uh, that's another topic. Yeah. Well, hey, let's get into all these topics right now, but first let's take a quick break. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you, just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch, or on an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. And check out the distribution box. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. So so I think a, you made a great point there on, on Gop with just he doesn't adjust to things. And I think that has been... Probably his biggest issue in his career overall. It's like he in 2018 when he was on fire, um, he didn't have to make a lot of adjustments because that offense was running on all cylinders 
a lot of that is because of how good he was playing, for sure. He he absolutely gets credited for that. But you also had one of the best offensive lines in the league, which while our offensive line is better than last year, we don't have anymore, and he really didn't have that last year. He had one of the best running back, backs, if not the best running back in the league, uh, which he did not have last year at all. He has a good running back now, but it, again, the running game is not as good as it was in 2018. Um, and he, he had a better group of receivers because Brandon Cooks is better than Josh Reynolds and provided a different a different facet and different things to the offense, which, while I think trading Brandon Cooks was the absolute correct decision this season uh, for a lot of reasons, and I'm glad he bounced back and is having a great year, the loss of that kind of player is clearly being felt with Gop. And I will say... I this was not the best game ever from him, but I would I am never going to hold this game against him because a he didn't turn the ball over. This is the first game all season that the Rams didn't turn the ball over. Game seventeen, which is insane, uh, and also like you said, man, he had pins in his thumb. I I don't think he should have been active. I think it was nuts that Blake Bortles wasn't active in this game. I mean, you have like. I'm pretty sure Raymond Calais was active, and we talk about all the time how he just doesn't do anything and isn't used. Like, you're going to tell me that you had to have him active, but you couldn't make a third quarterback active when your backup quarterback might not, like, he's not starting this game. Uh, I feel like if he were 100%, he they probably would have started him. Whether or not that was the right decision is another thing, but he's clearly not 100%. It's just, it's just crazy that uh, they didn't have a third quarterback active, but I not not really the podcast to <laughs> dive too deep into that. But um, there there's so there's so much to complain about with Goff, but I don't really think it was there in this game. He it wasn't pretty, but uh, like the first the first couple possessions, I think it was I I had it down as the first three possessions. He was horrible, like uh, abysmal. The offense looked the worst at the lowest it's been maybe all season. Um, but then he gets that big deep ball completion to Cooper Cup. And to be fair, and I don't know if you agree with this, not a good pass, right? Like not his best, not the best pass at all. No, it, you're absolutely right. Cup really made that play happen. Yeah, over over uh, Jamal Adams. It was a great play. It wasn't the worst pass ever. But uh, it, it was a tough ball. Cup makes a huge play. And I, to me, from that point on, Goff got a little rhythm. He looked a little more comfortable. There were still, like you mentioned, passes being deflected. He missed a couple throws, but uh, he made he made some good decisions. And I think like one of the his best play of the game, I think, was the easiest pass he had to make all year from a, a literally a throwing perspective, which was that little dump off to Cam Akers that went for a huge gain, but. That was a play where he got pressure in the pocket, he stepped up, he avoided the sack, and instead of running for a couple yards, he turns his head, uh, which he doesn't look to new players often. Um, he sees Cam Maker standing there, he dumps him the ball, and it's a great gain. And, like, he adapted. He doesn't adapt that often. Um, or at least, like, listen, he might adapt more than we think, like, because we are not watching this game at the level that I'm sure he's he's seeing it at as a player. I'm sure he goes through his reads, but there's a lot of times where you can visibly see him staring down one player, throwing the ball, and it doesn't work, and a lot of times it gets intercepted. 
But I mean, oh, like, happened way too often. Yeah, way too often. But I mean, all things considered, in this game, I was really happy with how he performed, given the injury, given the way he performed previously this season, and given the stage. Uh, it was a good performance in that regard. Now, if he comes out and plays this same exact game against Green Bay next week, do we win? I really fucking doubt it. And he needs to play better, and the offense needs to play a little better, even though there was a lot to like in this game, especially from Cam Akers, uh, who fucking balled out. Uh, and that actually is an okay matchup with Green Bay next week. But it's for, – for the fact that he didn't even start this game and had to come in so early, um, he's 12 days out of surgery. I still feel like he maybe wasn't even the right decision to activate him. But um, – I, I'm happy with the performance, and that's not something I've said about Jared Goff in a while. Well, it's it's what we consider. You know, it's if this is a healthy Jared Goff, I don't think we have the same tune. You know, I I think given the situation, the circumstances that Goff was going through, it was appropriate um, to give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation. I mean, the man had three pins in his thumb, his on his throwing hand. That's that's significant. But at the same time, do we jump up and down about this game if it, if he's healthy? Hell no, I, I'd be pissed. Uh, but hopefully, because I, I have no idea what the status is on Wolford. I imagine that he's doing a little bit better because there hasn't been anything about concussion protocol or anything like that. Yeah, but we he's, don't. he's questionable. I think the official designation during the game was a stinger. So, no, I don't think he has a concussion. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was active for this game, but it would surprise me a little if they started him. Yeah, I would. I'd find it uh, um, really surprising that he starts because even even though it's listed as a stinger, he didn't practice today. And, you know, for something that's just a stinger, I doubt that it's just that because I, I would imagine you'd be able to at least have a limited practice. They held him out. Now, it could be for precautionary measures for sure, but I'd imagine that there's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah. Well, it's it was in – and I, I'll pull up the injury report here to show the official what they wrote that. I mean, a neck stinger is a lot more concerning than, like, something else. Uh, yeah, the, the, the injury designation is neck. If it was a concussion, I think we know, right? Um, so yeah. that – that's a positive at least, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, you and I both thought that Wolford should have been the starter going into this game or going into last week's game. I should say, I think with how Jared played and the fact that like, look, let's be, let's be real. He's more than likely going to be the starter week one of 2021. I don't think this game should really affect his status for next season because like you said if he was fully healthy it was not not an impressive game whatsoever 
But the the contract that he has, he's probably going to be on the team next year. And if he's on the team, he's probably the week one starter. Is he the week 17 starter next year? That's up for debate. Um, but because of that, like, and like Wolford played well in his first game, for sure. Uh, we were really happy with it. But it, I mean, it, he didn't. He wasn't like fucking Josh Allen out there, dude. So it's like you. I think you have to go with Jared Goff, and I think would it would it would set a bad precedent. I think if you don't play him, and like let's be honest here, man, we're playing the fucking Packers. Like we have a chance to win this game, but we are certainly the underdog. I I I don't know if Wolford moves the needle enough to to make that decision. Um, if you feel Goff is healthy enough, which I think clearly they do, if they played him for that whole game and didn't activate Bortles. So now the question becomes, do you really want Wolford there active? Because while I have a lot of faith in Wolford for a backup quarterback, if something happens to Goff, you know, let's say he re-injures his thumb. Are we confident enough in John Wolford's health to have him active on the roster? Or do you replace him with either Bryce Perkins or um, Blake Bortles? I will say that there's probably a better chance that I suit up for this game than Bryce Perkins. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I think they, I think after this week, like you got to activate three quarterbacks, you got to find a way to do it. Um, because you're not a hundred percent with Jared's health and Wolf, unless Wolford is fully 100%, no recurring injury on Saturday. I, I think you have to activate Bortles for sure. And maybe maybe you activate Wolford too because you feel okay about his health. But I don't know. I mean, I I it's tough to predict that if Wolford is not over like I don't know eighty five percent, then he probably shouldn't be active, especially with a neck injury. You don't fuck around with neck injuries. So yeah, I I don't know. I I think you have to activate all three guys, even if Wolford is available. It's just concerning so- you have two quarterbacks with injury problems like you kind of have to have a third quarterback and plus like Blake Bortles a, a he was out he was in and out of the league this year for a reason but it's not like he's like a, a scrub like totally like if he has to go into the game I'm not like dead inside like I would be with some other backup quarterbacks in the league well let's put it this way I have a lot more confidence in Wolford than I do uh than I do Bortles yeah, I, I think I do, too. Although I do love me some bottles. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, I, before we get to the Packers, I mean, K-Makers balled out. Guy's a stud. Maybe we'll relitigate that draft pick in the offseason. I don't really have much else to say on him, man. What a game. Great game. He's the future. Yeah. Uh, he, he He's a player. He's a player. We have both had strong takes about that draft pick, uh, and we will definitely touch on that again in offseason podcasts, but not today. Uh, the defense, an, an incredible performance once again. I mean, the the start with the pass rush and, and the front the front group 
in general. Aaron Donald's wreaking fucking havoc out there early on. He had two sacks on, I think, the first or second drive of the game alone. And he gets hurt. He is absolutely the best defensive player in the league and the pulse of this defense. And the the defensive line continued to wreak havoc when he left the game. Um, this is not anyone who points to that as the reason why Aaron Donald is overrated is a fucking moron. But that's still a really impressive feat from this group, man. Leonard Floyd was balling out. Uh, Morgan Fox had a really great game. I mean, they were getting after Wilson with and without Donald on the field. And that that's a really impressive feat to me. And props to them for pulling that off. No, absolutely correct. I, I was, I'm not going to lie. When Donald went out, I was worried. I was beyond worried. Me too. Because, Me too. Uh, let, let's face it, Donald is the heart and soul of not only the defense, but of the team. You know, th- this is a guy you want out there. And um, turns out they didn't really need him because the Seahawks offensive line is that bad. Um, now, I'll give credit where it's due, um, particularly with uh, Leonard Floyd, who has surpassed all of our expectations. You know, I we were kind of hoping for another Dante Fowler-like scenario. And while I still think Fowler is the better player, um, even though maybe not this year, but um, I will say that Leonard Floyd might have been a, a steal of a pickup oh, last yeah. year. You know, he he certainly surpassed my expectations. And then, um, speaking of surpassing my expectations, how the hell has Morgan Fox been <laughs> fired? Since he's been with this team this year. Where the hell was he for the past couple of years going on and off the roster? And then all of a sudden he comes back, lights out, getting all these sacks as a off the bench. I'm like, how who is this the same Morgan Fox? Are we being trolled here? Like I, I, I don't I don't understand how this guy just researched his career, but I'm glad to see him do it especially in this game it is nuts dude how productive morgan fox has been he's been floating around this fucking team since 2016 and just like like he's dealt with injuries uh he he missed the entire 2018 season but like still man it's not like we're talking about a lot of like a, a high pick here this guy was undrafted and has somehow floated around long enough on the rams let like he he was I dare I say the Mike Thomas of the defense up until this season like just like is always on the team for whatever reason but this year man playing fucking great he's absolutely playing great uh and he's been a big part of why this group of defensive linemen is has been really productive and I mean that that group of guys Darren Donald Michael Brockers Ashawn Robinson. Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox. I'm sure the well, no, you know what? I was gonna say those guys were being elevated a little because of Donald, but he wasn't out there, and Morgan Fox is still ripping off sex. Like what what a what a turnaround for this dude. Good for him. Yeah, no joke, man. No joke at all. 
I I have to say though, I, I think Fox might have been the most underrated uh, pickup this off season. I I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. <laughs> I, I I'm happy to see it, man. Uh, especially because should Aaron Donald go down, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say he's the next starter or anything like that. But to tell you the truth, if he continues to play at a higher level. I, I'm okay with, uh, you know, resting Donald a little bit, especially because uh, Donald, while he, it, it appears he's going to be healthy enough to play in the game, he's still recovering from torn rib cartilage. Now, it's not a torn muscle. It's not a broken rib. But that sounds fucking painful, dude. Like, I don't... I don't want to rip any cartilage from any part of my body, much less my ribs. Uh, the fact that this guy probably would have went back in the game if he was needed, but the reality was he wasn't needed. So there was no point in putting him back in the game. So I'm hoping that if some bizarre reason that the Rams don't need him at any point, against the the Packers that they actually do rest him uh, because I'm sure that's an injury that takes time to heal and playing football is probably not going to heal it right away. Uh, a, a blowout win against the Packers would fucking floor me, man. That, would, that would shock me more than losing to the Jets, I think. Uh I but, wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> that to me is still the shock of the year is losing to the fucking Jets. The the Rams re-signed Morgan Fox on May 15th. I might have to go back to our podcast from that week and see if we even talked about it. We may not have. I don't think we did. Yeah. If we did, it was just a very slight mention. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> wild. Quickly, before we get to the Packers, um, this, the secondary, an- another great game. Uh, early on in the game, as is tradition, Russell Wilson threw a, threw a like comically absurd pass to Tyler Lockett that he still caught over Darius Williams, but he got him back with that pick six, really changed the, the entire momentum of this game. Uh, couldn't have come at a better time. A great play by him. And yeah, from there on, I mean, Jalen Ramsey was phenomenal yet again, and Darius Williams the whole game pretty much played really well. There, there were a couple lapses here and there. Uh, uh, you know, the DK Metcalf touchdown. If Troy Reader and Kenny Young are chasing DK Metcalf down the field, then he's going to score a hundred out of a hundred times. Like, th- <laughs> like just, the truth. yeah, there's nothing about it. But I mean, other than a couple lapses, and that's going to happen against a. Uh, a quarterback in a receiving core this good, and they were they were here in their lapses. They weren't consistent lapses. Uh, just again, a, a great, great secondary, and they'll have an even tougher test next week. But uh, I I really don't think they're going to be the reason we lose that game if we lose that game. Well, to to, to before I get to the second part of what you said, um, the first thing is those lapses. The 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 Darius Williams laps um, uh, with Tyler Lockett. 
I don't blame Darius Williams at all no. because it was just Russell Wilson being fucking Russell Wilson. This guy is one of the most elusive, if not the most elusive quarterback in the NFL. And he just bought some serious time by running for his life. It wasn't even that the defensive front wasn't getting to him. It's because they got to him. He somehow evaded, I think, like two or three guys. And then he just chucked it up. Um, and at that point, I imagine that Darius Williams was freaking gassed because as it is, Tyler Lockett is not an easy guy to keep track of. He, he's a very quick receiver. And that play went, it, what seemed like minutes it went just because it was that long. And yeah, I don't blame Williams at all. It was just, it was just a damn good play and he was gassed. I think any one of us would have been for sure. And as for <laughs> the DK Metcalf touchdown, when I, I was actually curious to see like who allowed the touchdown. I, I, I was wondering at first if it was uh, Jalen Ramsey. And then when I saw that it was <laughs> the inside linebackers covering him, I was like, well, shit, <laughs> they're, they're not going to, they're they're not going to cover this guy at all unless it's like a quick pass. Yeah, if they're actually covering him on an actual route, he they're gonna they're gonna get scored on <laughs> with a with a decent receiver. They're gonna score on him on them. Oh yeah, any any wide receiver they shouldn't yeah. be they shouldn't be down there. And look, if you watch the replay, it looked like. Uh, that would have been Jordan Fuller's deep assignment, but because it was such a broken play, uh, Metcalf was settled in the middle of the field, and Fuller stepped up to to do something else, which looked like a decent move. Uh, and Metcalf just took off and took the two linebackers. I mean, what are you going to do? That, that that's just going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it was just funny to me. I, I remember laughing. And uh, I was I was watching the game with my family, and they're just like looking at me all funny because uh, I'm laughing as as uh, the Seahawks scored on on the Rams, and uh, I'm just like it's just funny watching the linebackers covering DK Metcalf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had the same reaction. Like when they showed the replay, and I see it was like, yeah, who lost on a side? I see Kenny Young and Troy Reader booking it down the fucking field like they're in deep coverage like my god man you can't make this shit up uh let let's uh let's take a quick break then talk about the packers too much of anything is bad but too much sports is barely enough with that in mind say hello to january 2021 from an expanded nfl playoffs in the bcs national championship game to the return of the nba and the nhl This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. I always tell people to head over to MyBookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. I don't use MyBookie because some corporate overlord told me to use them. I use them because they're the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's right, 1000 bucks when you sign up. And they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. If this excites you... Sign up is even easier. Go to my bookie, sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. In 2021, you're going to want to bet with the best. That's why you should head over to my bookie and bet with them. 
So the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed in the NFC, I think this is clearly going to be the toughest game the Rams will have faced all season. I think the third I think Green Bay today is a better team than the three and all Buffalo Bills were uh when we played them. Now, to be fair, Green Bay got shelled by Tampa Bay like midway through the season and we beat them, so we have that going for us. Uh, that also doesn't really mean shit. That was in week six. I mean, this, this team is, the offense is fucking ridiculous. And it's going to be really interesting to see our defense play against their offense. We have not played an offense like this this season. We've played against some good offenses, but nothing like this, man. Aaron Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns in five interceptions. Like that that is fucking ridiculous. That makes no sense. Like how do you throw that many touchdowns and give like turn the ball over five times? That's that's incredible. He's gonna win the he's gonna win the MVP. He deserves it. He his the offense around him is loaded. Uh I'm the the backfield top to bottom might be the best in the NFL. Not saying that uh that Aaron Jones is the best running back in the NFL, but A.J. Dillon, when, when called upon, was killing it. Jamal Williams has been one of the better backup running backs in the league, although um, he's been injured. I don't know I don't know if he's going to be back for this game. But, like, it, they're, they're just ridiculous, dude. They're, they're, the receiving core beyond Devontae Adams isn't that impressive, but there are some okay players in there, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, Lazard, but doesn't matter because they have Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams caught 18 touchdowns this year, was the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. Uh, Robert, Robert Tanya, Big Bobby Tunyon at tight end uh, came along, caught 11 touchdowns. Uh, their offensive line did take a hit. David Bakhtieri, uh, an, an all-pro offensive lineman, uh, it, it got hurt in practice. He's done. So that is going to be the 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 opening for the Rams to have a chance to stop this offense. And maybe they will because they pretty much stopped everyone this year. But this is not like we met there. There's been some minor lapses with the secondary in some games this season. Overall, they've been one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the league, but Aaron Rodgers will find every single hole in your secondary. Uh, The Rams force a lot of turnovers. It's going to be hard to force turnovers against Aaron Rodgers and like <laughs> that that offense is wild man uh the the defense I mean you the what you gotta hope for is that they can hold them to like in the low 20s and the offense can do the rest and we'll talk about the offense in, in a second here but uh, the Green Bay offense they are going they are a problem and they are going to be a problem in this game and we have to hope that our you know, defense that has been elite can continue to do it against the best of the best. Remember when the Packers, you know, when, when the Packers actually prioritized finding Aaron Rodgers' replacement? <laughs> do you think they feel fucking stupid right now? Oh, man. We're talking about arguably the best quarterback in the NFL 
right now. And, and to, to tell you the truth, even last year, which wasn't his best year by far, um, still a decent quarterback. You know, not even a decent, a pretty good quarterback. And yet they went and they drafted Jordan Love. Yeah. What? (laughs) And the funny thing is, I remember when I saw that selection, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I realized that Rodgers didn't have the best season of his career last year. Come on, that is not their biggest problem right now. And Jordan Love, you know, with all due respect, I don't know if this is the guy that you want to eventually replace Aaron Rodgers. I guess there's no better player to learn from, but it's just, it it fascinates me when, when you think about it, they could have used that draft pick to get, more weapons for for Rodgers. So had their front office been smart about this from the beginning and actually draft a high wide receiver in a very talented wide receiver class, this could have been even scarier of an offense. <laughs> to, to go Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon to be backups for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones was was insane. Like, did the, the, the Dylan pick? If now they have the option to not keep Aaron Jones this offseason, I think Dylan is going to be a stud. That man's legs are the size of fucking skyscrapers. Uh, he's nuts. Uh, he's. I think he's going to be a really good player. But it's it's kind of like what we talked about with drafting Cam Akers and Van Jefferson back to back, but like amped up to a hundred because. Like Cam Akers and Van Jefferson were being drafted to compete with Daryl Henderson and Josh Reynolds, not Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Like, yeah, you could have had a really good receiver. At what, they took Jordan Love in the first round, right? Yes, they did. Like <laughs> you, there were there were very. Very good players, and like if you wanted to take a running back, you could have taken like Jonathan Taylor at twenty six. Uh, you could have taken T Higgins, who's it was killing oh, it. You could have taken. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine T Higgins on this team, man. Yeah, like I don't, I don't even think I need to read any more receivers off the list. Like you could have taken T Higgins. Damn. Yeah. That is, but instead, uh, I mean, they do have Devontae Adams, but beyond that, I feel like the only reason why some of these guys, you know their name, is because of Aaron Rodgers. You know, no disrespect to Alan Lazard, who I, I feel like um, could be something special, but do we really know he's going to be special? Because it could be all Aaron Rodgers here, and... You know, the same could be said with guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's a guy that, even with Aaron Rodgers, is meh. But you you still hear his name because Rodgers finds him. Yep. Somehow he finds him. Yeah, and it's like, 
it, the so like you, when you look at how this draft fell, like the, the out of the five picks right before their pick, three receivers went: Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> All would have been insane on the Packers, but like oh, you yeah. don't you don't panic draft a quarterback at twenty six. Like that was that was in the cards. Like if you were gonna take a receiver even though you like those guys, like you probably take T Higgins and like, it's not like the guys behind, you know, the, the receivers that went in the second round, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Jr. LaVisca Chanel, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool, Van Jefferson, Denzel Mims. Like <laughs> if you could, if you didn't want to take a receiver there, you could trade back a little bit and get any of those guys. A lot of those guys are having like very promising seasons, uh, obviously Higgins and and Claypool would stand out the most, but man, I don't I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but to kind of to kind of turn it back into this game, that offense like you're you're probably not going to hold that offense to thirteen points. Maybe you do. That'd be incredible. But uh, you got to be content if you if they score I don't know twenty one points, even twenty four points. If the Packers score twenty four points. Uh, I'm not going to be upset. They're leading the NFL in points. Like, that's probably still a pretty good game from the defense. But the issue here is that uh, we need to score points. We're probably not getting these points off turnovers. We need to make them happen ourselves. And Green Bay's got a good defense. I wouldn't go as far as to call it a great defense. They, they've they given up some yards to running backs at times this year, although last two weeks they've done a pretty good Pretty good job against David Montgomery uh, and Derrick Henry. The Rams offense is going to have to play one of their best games they've played this season to win this game. Now, that being said, maybe that's not that impressive because we haven't played that many good offensive games. But, like, they're going to have to put points on the board. They're going to have to score touchdowns. Uh, They're going to have to make plays. They're going to have to throw the ball well. They're going to have to run the ball well uh, if you want to have a shot in this game. I don't, it's it's hard to have a ton of faith in the offense to do that. And on top of that, it's going to be fucking cold. And Jared Goff, assuming he's the guy already with a thumb injury, historically has not played well in weather that's predicting to be as cold as it's going to be, probably in the 20s. His The last time he played in a game that cold, Johnny, or that range, do you remember what game it was? I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I could tell you because I was there. It was the Sunday night football game against Chicago in 2018. Oof. Maybe the worst game of his entire career. Uh, so, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, do you have faith that the offense can pull it off in this matchup? Well, here's where I have a little faith. Um, the fact that Cam Akers ran so well against the uh, Seahawks. Now, keep in mind, while the Seahawks doesn't have an elite defense either, I do think that the Seahawks' rush defense is, is pretty solid. And the fact that he just ran wild the, the entire game, I, I'm, um, I'm a little confident here because... I think that means that he's healthy enough, first of all, to to play. And 
someone that the Rams could rely on as well, uh, pending if he doesn't turn over the ball. So I think this game needs to be a run-heavy game for sure because no matter who's the quarterback in this game, neither Wolford nor Goff is going to be a very reliable quarterback. And as you mentioned, in the frigid conditions, in the in the atmosphere and everything, I I have to say I'm I'm not confident in the aerial attack, but the ground game I think gives us a little bit of hope. Um, primarily because defensively, while they have some studs on the team, I I just I'm not that confident in the. Packers defense at all so it just really depends on on two things for me how well the Rams run the ball and play calling play calling needs to be efficient here you know especially of course in the red zone you're not going to win with field goals alone this is not going to be a game where you can kick like five field goals and win the game it's just it's not going to happen and we it's not fair to ask the defense to basically continue to win games for us, uh, particularly uh, getting defensive touchdowns, especially against a guy that only gave up five interceptions the entire year. It's just not going to happen. So for me, that's going to be the key. Clever play calling and the efficient run game. If the Rams can do those two things, I think the Rams have a shot at this game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you can run the ball well and if you could contain this Packers offense, not stop, you're going to give yourself a shot. And But you have to score points. Like you said, you have to score touchdowns. And here, here's the blueprint, Johnny. This is the game, if you're going to look at one game this year. In week eight, I think this is week eight, November 1st, the one in five Minnesota Vikings took down the five and one Green Bay Packers. In this game, Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over once. He fumbled. He didn't throw an interception. He was sacked one time. Still threw for two hundred ninety-one yards. Still threw for three touchdowns. But in this game, Kirk Cousins only threw for one hundred sixty yards for the Vikings. But the Vikings didn't turn the ball over. And they ran it down Green Bay's throats. Dalvin Cook ran the ball 30 times for 163 yards and three touchdowns. And he added uh, added a 50-yard receiving play touchdown. So, I mean, that's that's the blueprint, man, to beat this team. That's the game you got to look to and say, how can we perform similarly to this team did? That was on the road in Lambeau. It obviously wasn't as cold. But it's happened. Teams have beaten the Packers this year, team in Minnesota, a team that probably has a, a much better offense than we do, but not even remotely close on defense, and they were able to contain Green Bay and get that win uh, on the backs of a great offensive performance. Uh, they got one turnover. It'd be great if we could get a turnover, but uh, you, you you can't bank on it. And yeah, it it's doable, but it's going to be tough. Um. And, I mean, like, prediction-wise, I hate to say it, but 
I, I, I can't not pick the Packers here. I would pick the Packers to win 24 to 14 or 24 to 13 more realistically. Uh, I don't know, but it's, I, I, I feel okay going into this game because, you know, it's a tough matchup. You are the underdog. Um, it's a game I love to win. I think they have a shot at winning, but you know, if if it ends on Saturday, with with all the fucking ups and downs we've had this season, I I would not call this season a, a failure if it ends in a loss to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, there were things that could have been better, and I don't I still think there's a chance they win this game, uh, a real shot because the defense is that good, and if the offense can just figure it out just enough, and also like you got to keep in mind too. The coach on the other side of the field is Matt LaFleur. That's Sean McVay's protege. He knows this guy. Uh, now, that could go both ways, too. For you know Matt LaFleur, he knows who he's coaching against. There's a real chance for an upset here, but I, I'm not going to sit here and predict it. I'm hoping for it. I think it's possible, but uh, I, I feel a lot better at least going into this game than I have going into a game in weeks. For sure. Uh certainly feel a lot better than when we played against the Jets. But um, I, I will say this. Uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic in this game. And for an interesting reason, not necessarily because of the offense. I mean, let's face it, the offense is probably going to be the reason why we lose if, if we lose at all. But the reason why I'm cautiously optimistic is because one thing that I think we've seen from from uh, Aaron Rodgers before is while he does make smart decisions, he also has a bit of an ego. Um, and I feel like that he's going to challenge our secondary, particularly Jalen Ramsey, like nobody has this year. And I feel like that might come back to haunt him. You know, there's a reason why Jalen Ramsey isn't, you know, blown up with stats like uh, interceptions or anything like that. I I think that this is going to truly, truly help the Rams if um, if he does try and challenge Ramsey. I don't know. He might go the safe route and completely prove me wrong. But I feel like that's what's going to happen. And for that reason. I'm going to give the win to the Rams here. Love it. it. It's a complete and utter homer pick, but I don't care. I I think that this there, there are tools in this game that's going to help the Rams out, and I think there might be some bits and pieces that might help them out, like an ego from Aaron Rodgers, if it so comes down to that. Uh, so that being said, I'm going to pick the Rams here in a very, very close 28-27 to 27 victory. Hey, man, the Rams always play play up or down to their competition this week, um, or this year. So I, it really, it really wouldn't shock me. I, I, I think the Packers are, I am more picking them because I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the Packers, and I, just the offense over the last couple of weeks, it hasn't given me enough confidence that we will score enough points to win this game. But I sure as fuck hope we do. 
And I, I don't think it's impossible. I think the blueprint is there. You saw it with that Minnesota game. Uh, it, there is a path to beating this team. And, you know, it, it would be crazy if we ended up in the NFC Championship again against the Saints this year. Uh, it would be nuts. <laughs> Oh, man, I bet there's going to be a lot, a lot of people um, watching for defensive pass interference. <laughs> well, on the plus side, Nikel Roby Coleman's not on the team anymore. Yep. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> and, hey, the, the Tampa Bay might, might beat the Saints. Well, you know, uh, the Saints didn't exactly – play extremely well against the bears of all teams yep so it wouldn't surprise if the if the buccaneers win the win this football game no man uh, I, I mean it's the battle of aging quarterback so and they, they have a ridiculously good offense they've been they've been they, they should be better than they've been playing a lot of times this year uh, but you brought up something and something i wanted to close the pot on that i forgot to put my notes dude did you catch any of the nickelodeon game no. Ah, oh, you missed out, man. Incredible. Incredible stuff. I'm curious now. What did I miss? <laughs> it was just so weird. Like, <laughs> anytime someone would score a touchdown, they'd have, like, virtual slime going. Uh, just, like, the graphics on the field were so, like, pleasing. Um, and and <laughs> it, it was just ridiculous. Uh, but I loved it. It was, bro- like, the the game was targeting towards kids. And, I mean, you could obviously tell in the presentation and the broadcast and the fact that it was on, like, Nickelodeon. But, uh, like, they, they had they had Nate Burleson on, on the call, and he fucking killed it, man. He's a gen the, – the commentary booth was uh, Noah Eagle, who, for those in the know about broadcasting, is Ian Eagle's son. Uh, Nate Burleson, who you might know from, like, Good Morning Football, I think that's the show. I think he's on that. I don't know. He, he's pretty prominent. And uh, some 15-year-old child actress that's on TikTok uh, from Nickelodeon. And it was just like – she would just get, like, so pumped up. Like, she just she just brought positive energy to the game, which, like, for those who listen to this podcast, uh, it's great when you can get positive energy suffering through a football game. Like, uh, the sideline reporter, his name was Lex Lumpkin, I think, Uh Dude, dude did an Obama impression in the middle of broadcast. I I was all in. Put a Nickelodeon game on every week. I uh, you know I I you basically make me want to watch it. I'm gonna see if I could somehow find that on YouTube or something. I'm sure you can because... find some clips. That I didn't. I actually forgot to mention the best thing. Whenever they'd go, whenever they'd line up to kick a field goal, like when the net rose, uh, they would raise a graphic of SpongeBob's face. Within the goalposts, that sounds horrifying. But you know, I, I might. Uh, that might be hilarious, though. Like if you get a football in the eye or something, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> yep, and they uh, they handed out a Nick an MVP trophy, the Nickelodeon MVP, and Mitch Trubisky won it. So like, <laughs> it was just it was just perfect. I don't know why they waited until the playoffs to do something like this, but I fucking loved it. I I mean, I I would think it would be more of a regular season thing, but uh, 
hey, you know, if it's as entertaining as you're saying, I, I definitely need to watch some of this. I mean, like, I hope they make it a, a weekly thing um, because I, I know I'm pretty sure CBS and Nickelodeon are owned by the same company. So it's not like they'd be losing money. And, yeah. and I don't know. I feel like if I was 10 years old, I would have much more enjoyed this than a regular broadcast. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's probably why some kids don't get into it right away is because they might not find the commentators entertaining enough. Yeah, like I I mean, I loved football growing up. I played it. Uh, I watched it. I I followed the Rams as much as I can without being in a local market, but like when I was like a kid, I I mean, I don't know about you, like how often did you sit down and watch a full football game from start to finish paying attention the other the whole time? Well, when I'm a, when I was a kid, you know, if I'm going to be honest, it, it was very rare for me to actually sit down and watch the entire thing. I'd probably go off and do something else for a little bit right, and then come back. Right. So, yeah, it, it's absolutely true there. Yeah, I, I think they have something. Uh, I'm glad the Bears game came up because I totally forgot about that. <laughs> By the way, Steve, before we uh, end the podcast, I was curious if you know this. Do you know what happened on this very day to the Rams last or uh, four? I believe it was four years ago. I uh, saw on Twitter this is the day they hired Sean McVay, right? Yep, that is a hundred percent true. And I'm hoping the reason why I brought this up is I'm hoping that because the Rams hired Sean McVay, you know, so early in this process, that teams like the Jets will forget about. Brandon Staley, because I think we got a winner in Brandon Staley, honestly. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, he he's interviewed for a lot of jobs. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird too because like, um, like like Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs is a hot coach in Canada. He's still in the playoffs too. So I I, I don't know how quickly all these teams are going to move. But yeah, I, 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 I don't think he gets a head coaching job this year. I don't know. Though, if we oh, beat the Packers, okay. if we beat the Packers, <laughs> it's going to be a lot more likely. If we dominate the Packers, it's going to be likely. Yeah. In fact, I'd probably guarantee it if if they dominate the Packers. Yeah. Which isn't going to happen, but you never know. It might be worth it. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Well, hopefully next week is not the start of the off season, and if it is, I mean, hey, I hope you guys still join us. Uh, go Rams! Follow us on Twitter at Cubero at Johnny Five Not Six at Talk Rams. Give us a five star review on our podcast if you haven't already, and we will talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton keep talking that we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.